Faith Matters Podcast. I'm your host, John Morgan. This is the podcast for Multi-Faith Matters, and I'm the host, John Moorhead, and today I'm privileged to have as my guest, Lucian Greaves, and uh, he's of the Satanic Temple, and I have a very brief bio for you, Lucian. If you want to expand upon it, please do. Lucian Greaves is the co-founder and spokesperson for the Satanic Temple. Anything you want to add to that? It seems pretty meager. You know, I like it meager, I think, (laughs) as as kind of, uh, with our kind of anti-authoritarian philosophy there's kind of this balance to be struck by being like a public face for the organization but not allowing myself to kind of become the story and i try to manage that the best i can by by leaving my uh biographical details sparse okay i appreciate that just wanted to make sure and give you an opportunity uh the reason uh, i was on uh, uh lucian's podcast uh a few days ago uh, at his invitation where I had a chance to uh, speak to his audience about what a, a Christian and evangelical is trying to be self-critical about religious freedom and understanding other religious traditions as they uh, seek to exercise uh, their freedom in the public square. And it looks from the Twitter feed like that was largely positive, re- positively received in your audience. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's nice to see. A lot of people are very... Uh very amenable to that kind of dialogue. And I'm really, it's really heartening to see that. It's also interesting to see the difference between different platforms too. Uh, Twitter, for as much as it's accused of uh, generating these angry mobs, uh, had a much more positive, I don't think I saw anything negative on Twitter. One was one was uh, unclear to me. I couldn't understand what they were saying. I saw you engaged with it a little bit, and I thought, I don't know what. Yeah, what I wasn't about. quite sure either, so I thought I would just kind of acknowledge and probe a little bit, and even with her response afterwards, I still wasn't quite sure, but that's all right. I was even more confused then, but, <laughs> but then you look at Facebook, and Facebook really, really leans into the negativity. I, I never, I always see a uh, uh, much more negative response to anything on Facebook. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. You know? I, I posted a, uh, a track, you know, I I work with a band and we released an album last year, which is the least controversial thing I think I've ever done. And then when we came out with a video, we posted that. And I was amazed to see that I was getting hate mail over putting out a song even. So, you know. I, now, is, is this from... Uh... TST members or, or just people who happen to come across it or I don't know I don't, okay. I, I don't really know but uh, there, there's something to be said for the idea of the different platforms and the way they uh, they run their algorithms and things like that really uh, really emphasizing the the negative over the positive but that said I think our conversation you know much more than the negative there was certainly the positive you know somewhere around 90 percent or more was were positive responses yeah i expected more response from uh folks on my side of the conversation but they really didn't touch it. i don't think they know what to do with it so we'll just kind of 
leave it out there and add to it with uh, our conversation here and, and uh, hopefully get folks thinking. Um, the reason I wanted to have you on this podcast was to talk about the after school Satan clubs. Uh, TST gets a lot of media coverage. And over the last couple of weeks that I think, at least in my observation, ha- had increased uh, because when you had Satan Con in Scottsdale, and there were protesters out there and there was media coverage. And then you had, uh, I think it was in Illinois was the most recent after school Satan club. Is that correct? Yeah, we got approval for another one in Ohio just very recently, but that hasn't had its first class yet. And there's many more in progress. Uh, we have a new campaign head of the after school Satan clubs. When we first rolled it out, um, I was pretty much doing all the work there. And now we have a, a a lot of volunteers we've grown exponentially since the time that we began so now we have a lot more going on and the after school satan clubs have generated some criticism towards us towards this idea that we're uh claiming more success than it's worth because if you read between the lines or you look deeper into the media coverage they'll they'll mention the fact that these clubs often have like two, three kids in them or whatever. And yet there's all this outsized controversy in media. And then it's assumed that that kind of controversy in media was all we wanted to begin with because it's not worth all of that. But that's making some, I think, bizarre assumptions about how media works. You know, we're not, we're not in charge of how, how large the response is about this. And to be honest, we would rather do without the controversy, even if that was amusing at first after 10 years of threats and, you know, the potential for violence and bringing people into harm's way. Uh, we would rather these local communities understood, if not the value of the after school Satan Club, uh, the value in not intervening and realizing that it's better to have the after-school Satan clubs and not send your children to them, not engage with them if you don't want to, but also not giving the government the authority to elevate one religious viewpoint over others. And I think that benefits, benefits all religious viewpoints because, I mean, I would think from a majority viewpoint, if we're to view uh, Christianity as the majority religion, which it is, if not evangelicalism, uh, I would think that there would be some kind of impetus to not want your followers to be there by coercion, uh, for people to have a real grasp of what their deeply held beliefs and values are, and that it be something better than mere conformity to what's going on around them. So I don't think it's a threat to other religious viewpoints. That said, we did specifically put the after-school Satan clubs into schools where there were proselytizing clubs already in place. And then, of course, we get that question, well, are you just trying to shut those down? I don't think that's... that's not up to us you know we're we're that's not available to us we're not the question isn't whether we're going to allow these clubs to maintain or not but we are offering an alternative club that actually doesn't engage in proselytizing doesn't contain items of religious opinion and that type of thing 
Uh, I'd like to unpack some of that with a few questions. And it seems to me that when, when I have seen the, the media coverage, especially recently, that, uh, for example, on Fox News, I saw the, the most recent uh, Tucker Carlson conversation. Tucker, I've come to, to the conclusion, is just playing to an audience. He's, he's not really trying to be thoughtful and that kind of a thing. And then I saw, I think her name is Lauren Green, the religion reporter. I don't know if you saw that Fox piece. I was surprised, perhaps I shouldn't have been, that she brought, I know she's a Christian, but she brought her theological assumptions actually into the reporting itself. So it was a combination of reporting and opinion piece without letting the viewer know exactly where she was coming from. I wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, to not bring the theological assumptions, at least those things will be stated up front so that you can have a forum to speak to Christians who might have the ability to be self-critical, to try and understand the, the purpose behind these clubs. One thing we're not going to cover in this conversation, I'm going to refer folks to my conversation with Stephen Bradford Long. If you want to know uh, what the principles are that the Satanic Temple holds to, what you believe, what you don't believe. Uh, look at the link in the program notes and go watch that conversation. I do monitor comments. Anybody who posts comments at YouTube about how they're worshiping Satan and sacrificing babies and all that, that will be automatically deleted. Um, this is for, uh, if you want to be informed and have a respectful conversation, that's what this podcast is all about. So with that out of the way, um, let's talk about the After School Satan Club uh, how did they come about and what's the mission of it? What are you trying to accomplish? Well, the after-school Satan clubs came about in recognition of the fact that there were these good news clubs proliferating throughout the United States. And from our point of view, uh, the good news clubs would be a horrific thing to put your children into if you didn't want them indoctrinated in that way of thinking. They have a very uh, clear emphasis on sin and the wages of sin being death and hell. And even uh, bizarrely enough, they, at least in some of their old curriculum, and, and it's hard to keep track because they don't post them publicly. And, and a lot of this had to come out from different parents getting angry and coming across these materials and then posting them. And then a uh, journalist, Catherine Stewart, uh, did a whole book about the Good News Clubs, where it, they actually talk about sex in ways that you wouldn't hear taking place through the after-school Satan Clubs, but as a way to uh, issue prohibitions against behaviors like masturbation and things like that. And the disturbing part about it is that there's many school districts that'll have like a shortened school day, like Wednesdays will cut out an hour early and things like that. And the school district will fill that time with, an, uh, with a good news club. So it's not necessarily parents who want to indoctrinate their children in that way, sending them to these clubs. Uh, sometimes it's used as a means of daycare. And to that end, we thought it would be nice if there were an alternative to good news clubs where there isn't an alternative so far, something that did not deal with items of religious opinion. Part of uh, the Satanic Temple's ethics is that we don't proselytize. And that might sound like an easy prohibition to not proselytize, but it's not. There's a lot of gray area. You know, people like you asking me questions and then me coming on shows and talking about it, things like that. Some people might call that proselytizing. I think 
you know, especially for Satanism, it's a matter of self-defense, given the way uh, people uh, contextualize us and the mythology surrounding Satanism and what it is and that type of thing. It really demands this be explained to, and we draw that distinction between, you know, whether you're asked or whether you're actively going out trying to convert people or whether you're trying to just increase your numbers, quantity over quality or, or whatever. And those are things we kind of stay away from. So it's in line actually with our religious ethics that we don't take children into these clubs and try to tell them that Satanism is the way to be and you should be a Satanist and that kind of thing. So instead we have what we think is a good kind of enriching curriculum that, uh, uh, you know, the original concept would be that it would be very science-based, very critical thinking based. And we at first came up with this curriculum that was pretty rigid and, and a bit too, a bit too extreme in its learning program for an after-school club. You know, after a while, it became obvious that kids going into an after-school club don't want to jump right into some kind of degree program, you know, how, no matter how lofty your goals are. You should kind of take it easy on them and uh, let them have fun to whatever degree they're able to in that environment. So we opted for this kind of self-directed learning environment where we have a lot of games, puzzles, activities, and things like that. And the kids can kind of do what they want to do. And we have our people who are vetted as volunteers to run these clubs, educated in ways to make those games, puzzles, and everything kind of a critical thinking lesson, experience, and, and work with the children to kind of contextualize this in a way that helps them build the cognitive tools to maybe do better academically overall. And that's really the entirety of the after school Satan Club. So it's, uh, you know, you mentioned Tucker Carlson and Lauren Green. I don't know, I didn't see the, the Lauren Green report. Uh, but to her credit, they did send cameras out to speak with me. I don't know if that was included ever in a video clip or anything. But there was a lot of reporting around the after school Satan clubs that didn't reach out to us at all. And in fact, you would find interviews about after school Satan club where they weren't interviewing anybody sympathetic with us, but speaking to offended pastors about what we're really trying to do. So we have to deal with the horror of seeing sometimes people on network news stations putting words in our mouths without, without any uh, recognition of us directly at all which is kind of a, a horrific uh, experience, I think, you know? So when you see this kind of chatter about how we're just doing this stuff for the media attention and how we just love, you know, getting this kind of publicity and controversy, uh, I don't think it could be further from the truth. It's, it's in some ways it's, it's a nightmare. Well, one of the things I'm passionate about is religious freedom. And when I say that, I don't mean just religious freedom for, for me and, and my tribe. I mean religious freedom for everybody. That includes minority religions, those that I might not even, uh, might make me uneasy or what have you. We, in my thinking, we all have to be free or nobody's really free. And with that in mind, so am, am I understanding you correctly so the audience can understand? You've got these good news Christian clubs that are in public schools offering this program that includes theological material, may include uh, evangelism of some kind, 
And what you're doing is saying, okay, if they're there in the public school and that's a legal thing, then we should be able legally to offer an alternative to that. And in contradistinction, we're, we're not proselytizing. Is that a, a fair statement of the situation? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And I think it's worth uh, highlighting that this definition of religious freedom is what religious freedom is. I think it's a real bastardization of the word to call it, or the term to, to call it religious freedom if you're not going to respect viewpoint neutrality and this general sense of equality, uh, at least insofar as government intervention is concerned. Anything else is not religious freedom. It's 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 just a rhetorical game. And, and I think that rhetorical game is kind of what is something we're seeing play out in the courts right now. And it's something that allowed the good news clubs into schools to begin with. The Supreme Court decided that it would be uh, religious discrimination to not allow religious clubs to use the public facilities in schools. And I don't think that's true. I think schools could categorically deny political clubs, which they do, and they could categorically deny religious clubs, but you can't allow some political clubs like the Young Republicans Club and not allow a Young Democrats Club or something, similarly to how you can't say, all right, we can have Christian clubs, but we can't have other religious kinds of clubs. And I think that's a more accurate definition of this type of freedom than the idea that religion as a category is being uh, is, is can be disparaged by not being given access to the public forum. But it's not up to us whether it has the public forum or not. Uh, but I just think it's an egregious overstep at the point where the government says that certain ones are allowed and certain ones are not. Well, as I said, when we started, unfortunately, there are many times, whether it's SatanCon or these after-school Satan clubs, or even during the Christmas season with the baby Baphomet, uh, there are all kinds of protesters, usually conservative Christians, Catholics, evangelicals, and so on. Uh, that doesn't represent the totality of uh, American Christianity. I think I'm an example of that. To those who might bring my kind of mindset and approach, to those Christians who may still be uncomfortable, maybe they've got some theological assumptions they need to recheck that they bring to this. What would you, what, what would the takeaways be that you would want to say to those kind of open-minded Christians who are, are willing to, you know, allow that religious concept of religious freedom for everybody? Well, I, the first thing I do is point out to them how much worse it would be to have the government regulating these kinds of things. And at what point does this kind of ecumenical unity within Christianity right now start to break down once that happens? When do we start seeing rifts between Mormons and uh, Pentecostals and things like that? You don't see it so much right now because everybody's aligned on a few key issues. Not everybody, but, uh, you know, on the, on the more right-wing side, you know, you have this hyper-focus upon abortion, uh, sexuality rights, and things like that. But I think uh, it never ends, right? I think once once you've overcome one obstacle, I think uh, the, the, the internal differences become 
more and more obvious. And at the point where you've allowed the government to step over that line and start preferencing one over the other, no matter how dominant you think your viewpoint is now, it might not be later on. And you need to account for that. And that's why we do these kinds of things on these types of principles, where you're not just picking and choosing between one or the other, but you lay down these broad guidelines that any one of them must follow. And I think if you really talk to people and get them to recognize that, you've come a long way. But I think on the other end of it, we, you know, further, uh, we have this kind of, I think, between Satanists and Christians and things like that, I think we have a lot of people uh, thinking that we all view these kinds of things in the same way because we all kind of grew up and, you know, a lot of us having this dialogue grew up in the same kind of Western culture. And we also think that we attach the same meaning to our each other's aesthetics and symbols and things like that. And where that becomes obvious to me that it isn't true is in the case like in the Capitol Rotunda in Illinois, where we had the baby Baphomet. And a lot of us think that's that's cute and very, very artistically rendered and done. And it's funny to see this kind of uh, uh, exposition about it, calling it to grotesque, demonic and obviously meant to be offensive and as a mockery of the of the baby Jesus and the nativity. And to be honest, I didn't foresee that reaction. And it just shows how detached my own mind can be from how people view these symbols and everything, because we just do have a different aesthetic and different culture. And people have said the same thing about our Baphomet monument, which I think is a beautiful work of art. And I think it doesn't look evil. I think, you know, its features look very neutral. I think it looks wise and, and dignified. And some people just don't see that at all. And I've talked to Satanists, of course, a lot of people on the other side of the argument, if they go into a Catholic church and see uh, a large Jesus statue nailed to the cross with blood gushing out of the uh, emaciated ribcage and stuff like that, they think that's a horrific mm -hmm. uh, a bit of work in that why would why would somebody want that front and center of right. their at their congregation and i think you know it, the deeper you get into this it's it's important to recognize those kinds of perceptual differences and that in recognize that they actually exist and that we're not necessarily seeing these things exactly the same but embracing the offensiveness of it just to spite you kind of thing and I think uh, both sides need to recognize that, you know, like, uh, I don't think Christians look at the look at the crucifix and think that they're trying to throw death in our face, you know, or, or trying to tell us that, you know, if you're, if you're homosexual, you're going to die and burn in hell, necessarily, some do. But others, you know, it's just, it's become more of an abstract symbol for their ethics, their works, and how they contextualize their communal narrative in the in the universal scheme kind of thing same way with our kinds of symbols and this is kind of a fascinating process that i'm 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 recognizing these things more and more as we go along and i just think it's i think it's fascinating and it, it offers a real insight i think into into just how 
cultural differences even inside a culture can lead to real perceptual cognitive differences. Yeah, I, I did my uh, graduate degree in seminary in intercultural studies, and it, it really has served me well over the years. When I took a, a course in anthropology on cross-cultural communication, I came away amazed that human beings can communicate successfully at all, given the symbols and language and just everything we bring to it. You know, it's amazing we don't have more miscommunication. So I appreciate what you bring in there. I think all of that you have said is very helpful. Let me conclude. Let me get some reaction from you. This is a great book. I'm going to put, uh, in addition to links to your material, uh, Joseph Laycock, Speak of the Devil, uh, How the Satanic Temple is Changing the Way We Talk About Religion. And he's got... Uh, I. I really agree with his sentiment here, where he talks about uh, radical pluralism as a right to be defended, whether we find these commitments tasteful or not. And then he says, pluralism, he's quoting somebody else in this sentence, pluralism is a dynamic process through which we engage with one another in and through our very deepest differences. And then he concludes this paragraph and says, if we can overcome our deep-rooted horror of Satanism and ask the Satanists to explain themselves, then perhaps we have achieved a feat of pluralism worth bragging about. Uh, that's what I hope for Christian listeners of, of this conversation. What, what are your, what's your response to Laycock there? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. But I think what people might miss when they read that is this idea that... Uh, everything we've done has been a conscious effort to be exactly what it is and that, you know, the reaction we get from it is, is exactly the reaction we wanted and that type of thing. But to a large degree, as we're explaining Satanism to other people, we also throughout our lives have to parse out what it means to us ourselves. You know, we, we, we don't always have a real, conscious, uh, well-articulated, verbalized response to why these things mean what they do to us. And I think if people could understand that this is, to a certain degree at least, if not entirely, just intrinsic to who we are, and that, you know, this is something we're exploring within ourselves as well as putting out into the world, maybe they'll be a little more sympathetic to understanding what it is, even if they're not ultimately going to agree with it nonetheless. So you're uh, taking a spiritual journey and figuring it out, just like a lot of us, even those in older, more established religious traditions. Yeah, I, I don't object to the word spiritual in the same way Sam Harris would kind of use right, the right. word or whatever, but in, in the same way that... Uh, you know, you can feel that something is transcendent without subscribing to supernaturalism either, but it's it's beyond your own ability to immediately kind of verbalize and understand, and it takes a good deal of lifelong introspection. Well, that's all the questions I have, Lucian. Uh, I want to thank you again so much for coming on here. I hope, I hope in, uh, as I post this up later today, I hope I get his positive response in uh, amongst my audience as my appearance uh, on your Twitter feed has gotten from uh, from members of the Satanic Temple. Well, we can compare responses to this, <laughs> this one that you, that you publish. That'd be great. Again, thank you so much for being on the program. I really appreciate it. Thank you.